Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. It is the number one daily NFL podcast. How about that? And uh, we're on the number one daily sports podcast network. So if you want your daily fix talking about your specific favorite team or the NFL in general, or you want to hear about Major League Baseball, NBA, hockey, college sports, we are the network that has you covered here right on the Locked On Podcast Network. And nobody's doing this daily in the offseason, Matt, like we are covering free agency, covering draft. You're going to be at the Combine next week. We're going to do a little Combine Primer show on Monday. Look at some Combine prop bets, which I think are super fun. But today we've got your draft ditties, which I love, which is every team, a little draft note on every single team in the NFL. And uh, there's some that are quite surprising, actually. We talked about one, actually, that had to do with the Minnesota Vikings with Luke on Wednesday. Was that Tuesday or Wednesday's show? Uh, doesn't really matter, but <laughs> earlier this week. I don't even know what day it is anymore, <laughs> right. man. I swear to God. Uh, that, that is uh, the pitfall of doing this daily podcast. Sometimes my head's spinning and i got so much going on in my life. And I'm like, what day is it right now? It's Friday. Yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> Happy Friday to all. Yeah. Uh, if you missed the Viking show, shame on you, but you should right. go back and listen to it. Go back and but check it out. to give you an example of what we're going to do, that one was Teddy Bridgewater is the only quarterback the Vikings have drafted in their past eight draft classes. Not even a sixth rounder, a seventh rounder. All so the way back to Christian Ponder. We're going to 32 of those. Yeah, 32 of those draft nuggets on uh, on the teams, and I love that. And then we've got some news to get to around the NFL. Eric Bieniemy. there was some talk that he might be interested in his old alma mater's head coaching job at the University of Colorado. Uh, Denver's Mike Cleese, NBC Denver, is reporting that the enemy officially turned that offer down, said, thanks, but no thanks. He's going to stay in the NFL. He's going to be the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, how long do you think it is before potentially Andy Reid, now that he's got his ring? How long does he coach? And maybe Eric Bieniemy could hang out there a couple of years and get that head coaching job because there might not be a better one in the NFL if he went somewhere else. Yeah, maybe this is a McDaniels right-hand man, probable successor type situation to an older, great Hall of Fame coach. Boy, I mean, I, I, we talked about it earlier. Like, yeah, it'd be great to go back and coach your your alma mater, bring them back to a top program. You know, the the Cordell Stewart years or whatever. But that's a tough gig, man. <laughs> I mean, I was down at the Steelers facility just the other day, and I and they share it with Pitt. And I was talking to a couple of my old buds that are still with Pitt, and they're like, "Man, college is more work than it used to be. You know, there's two recruiting periods. There's more camps. We get less time off than ever. Like, it, it, it's not." put your feet up and go do a college gig. I mean, being the right-hand man in Kansas City with the quarterback you have is awfully sweet, and who knows what it leads to. I mean, I got to think it certainly could lead to another NFL job, whether it's not in Kansas City or not. Colorado's a tough job, too, because it's not. It's probably not one of the higher-paying jobs. The Pac-12, is. it's difficult to out-recruit not only in your Pac-12, but the rest of the conferences. And you've got people getting pulled from all different uh, areas of the country to some of these bigger schools in the SEC. I mean, that's just a difficult job to go win for a long time. But if you can win, you can get some really good job security. And there's some good paydays in the college game, too. But I think you have to be wired a certain way. And if you're an NFL guy, I don't blame him. He's making a good chunk of change there as the offensive coordinator. Get yourself a head coaching job, and that might be in 12 months. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's an awfully good situation. No more snacks in Detroit. The Lions have released defensive tackle Damon Harrison. Looks like this will create about nearly $7 million in cap space for the Lions. 32 years old. I mean, if a team needs that run stuffer on a short-term deal, there's your guy. Yeah, and he was pricey. I mean, it's just a very... 
obvious indicator of what the league is about now. He's still really good at what he does, but he does one thing and he does it extremely well still. And you'll see guys that do that. You know, the, the big Saragusa, Ted Washington types, Will Forks that can clog up the middle for an awful lot of years. I mean, you lose a little quickness, who cares? You know, I mean, it's just not that big a deal. They're good technically. They're massive human beings. But how many snaps in when the day is said and done against three receiver sets and spread formations is Snacks Harrison going to play? Right. You've still got to be that gap penetrator and, and put some pressure on the quarterback if you're going to be that early down run stuffing type of nose tackle. And, you know, at 32 years old, he probably doesn't have the burst he used to have. He can push the pocket a little bit, but at the price tag really is where it jumps out. And you're like, okay, are we going to pay a nose tackle that much money? Or is this more of a sub package player? As we talked about before, that nickel is the new base. And so your base defense is almost a sub package guy with that nose tackle coming out. And you've got a nickel corner in there. Yeah. And then some old bases, new sub he wouldn't even be in there. You know what I mean? Like you got to be a pretty heavy package for him to be out there snap after snap after snap with little to no pass rush. Another veteran defensive lineman will be on the open market. That is Everson Griffin, who has opted out of the last couple of years of his contract in Minnesota. So defensive end Everson Griffin, now a free agent. Yeah, very interesting because we didn't bring this up in the Vikings conversation but we mentioned his name as one of the possible five or six big name players, Xavier Rhodes being the most prominent that the Vikes can and probably will move on from because they're in such cap problems. And Daniel Hunter is a phenomenal player. And, and to be honest, I'm going to take a second to get on the soapbox. One of the most underrated players in the league and probably a top 10 defensive player overall. But having bookends is an awfully nice situation doesn't mean Griffin can't return, but I'm sure people are calling up his agent left and right. If you sign him now, he doesn't count as, I'm not sure if he counts as a comp pick free agent or not when you avoid one. So scratch that. I'm not sure about that, but still he's got a lot of football left. Um, he had some personal problems or mental problems. I don't want to get too much into that because I really don't know. And I'm not in his shoes, but he's got a lot of football left. If he can play, 50, 60 snaps a game for you and affect both phases quite a bit. This sounds like one of those situations where his agents knew he was going to be cut, so opt out now, get a little bit more time to talk to teams and, and get yourself a new contract somewhere else because, yeah, that that cap situation in Minnesota, he was a guy that they might have likely cut and maybe he knows that he would have been cut, so you opt out now, you go take care of that business, and um, he's still a good player. He was like a 50% chance of getting cut. You're now on the open market. You know you're not going to be unemployed. you got a lot of time to talk to teams. you got a leg up on some of the other edge guys. It's an interesting question, though, about the comp picks. I, I would assume that he opted out, so he's heading to free agency. The team would still get the comp pick. I know if he gets cut, they would definitely not so, go yeah. toward the comp pick. But, right, um, he did not get cut, so yeah. he is a free agent okay. by choice, though. Right. Jarvis Landry, this is a big one that kind of snuck up on me. I didn't know about his hip problem. Jarvis Landry had his... Uh, hip surgery is looks like they shaved down cartilage and removed two pieces of bone embedded in the labrum of his left hip. That sounds very painful and not good for a wide receiver. This is a six to eight month surgery. So basically they had to do it now so he would potentially be ready for week one. That's still in doubt. He definitely will not be ready to go. It looks like at the beginning of training camp if it goes to that eight month time frame. Right. And again, injuries are a hard thing for me to comment on. 
But I do believe, and I'm not a Browns apologist, trust me, Pittsburgh very much enjoyed the Browns not winning the division and them not becoming the king of the North like many expected this time last year. But I also think Beckham and Landry were not themselves all year, and that can't be overlooked. And the other receivers on the roster have a little bit of promise, but I bet this Landry situation is... Like when you're picking your fantasy draft Labor Day weekend, I bet he hasn't played yet in the preseason. And there'll be some reports, uh, he should be good to go, but we don't know. You know, like one of those lingering deals. Right. He's not he's, the quickest guy to begin with. He's, <laughs> he's going to. So that's a good or bad thing. He doesn't need the speed. And maybe the hip, <laughs> right, prob- maybe right. the hip problem doesn't hurt him as much as others because it's not going to sap his speed that he didn't have already but uh, that lateral quickness that could definitely be affected by your hip and he's definitely gonna throw a wrench in those fantasy drafts though with that type of injury yeah oh yeah for sure and he's not my I only have ever owned him in fantasy to begin with but I I did go in all of Odell was my number one fantasy receiver last year I had Landry way back in the day in PPR leagues uh as a rookie I liked him coming out and that was a nice one so PPR only for Jarvis Landry we'll see how uh, that whole Cleveland Brown is still an interesting team there with the talent see how that comes together in 2020 Matt let's get to these draft ditties we've got a note on every team in the NFL Matt would you like to preface this what exactly is a draft ditty draft digest has put out a draft publication kind of old school paper you know magazine for a million years and for the last five years give or take pretty much since I left ESPN I've written up all their team needs, you know, recap of last season. I do a feature article and I do these draft ditties, which is just like a sentence or two for each team. When you've turned to the bills page, there it is at the top. And my process is I go to drafthistory.com, click on the bills and basically just stare at a screen until something jumps off it and some (laughs) kind of tendency I can come up with. And some are very easy. Some are wow. Some of them are. Eh, that's not so great, but it's noteworthy. Well, let's start there then with the Buffalo Bills and the AFC East. What jumped out at you when you looked at Buffalo Bills draft history? Yeah, the one I came up with them is Buffalo has only selected three offensive linemen in their last four draft classes, which you know is noteworthy to me because they brought so many offensive linemen in last year, like eight or nine through free agency and Cody Ford was one of those picks and they haven't been really high picks, you know, and well, Tarek Glenn wasn't, he's not around anymore. Well, he wasn't the last four drafts. I apologize. So Ford was the only real high one and they, it's been more of a free agency type of fix than a draft fix. I got to admit, this is one I was straining to come up with one a little bit. So our first one isn't the best example of why this is a fun show, but the bills still are very much in the O-line market, I think. That's surprising because almost every team drafts an offensive lineman almost every year, and sometimes multiple offensive linemen. You get one early, you get one late, and so many teams are starving for offensive line talent. And if you haven't drafted one recently, that just makes the odds a lot higher you're going to draft one this year because everybody needs one. And that brings us to Miami next, which is really interesting to me because in their their past dozen draft classes, one of their first two selections – in 11 of those dozen draft classes, has been on a lineman on either side of the ball, on a big man, on a 300-pound type of guy. And both their lines stink. That This one really stood out to me because when right. I read it, I thought, 
I couldn't Ow. think of a name right off the top of my head. Who who were these players? Because it's not a standout unit on either side of the ball, and they traded away uh, one of their guys too. Tunsil, so right, so Tunsil right, was right. the one, and he's not there anymore. So that's yeah. a very interesting one. They're gonna have to go back to that well. They're gonna have to go back to that well. I mean, maybe two of their first round picks are gonna be offensive linemen, and they used it. You know, Wilkins looks like he has promised as a defensive tackle last year. Um, but their lines are really bad, and they've used premium picks basically in 12 years in a row and not getting anything out of it. Miami's an interesting team, too, because this is the argument for, okay, we have all of these draft picks, and since teams only hit on 50% of their uh, early picks and, and even fewer of their later picks, you need depth on the on, a, on an NFL roster. You need to hit on some of these draft picks. You can't trade everything for a quarterback because now you're still not helping out your team and helping out your depth around that passer. Yeah, and if you do, you better hit or it cripples you. The New England Patriots. The Patriots, this stat doesn't tell it as well as really is truth with them. Well, but with the exception of 2017, the Pats have selected at least nine players in every draft since 2014. And really, you can go back through the Belichick era, and they are absolutely one of these teams that understands we're just going to draft a lot of guys because even if we're good at it, we probably are only going to hit 40 to 60%. So let's throw a ton of stuff at the fan. And I didn't go back further because there's, you know, the spy gate where they got, you know, stolen their pick and they always have a lot of picks and they use a lot of picks and they'll even trade them for veterans too. So I just think the way the Patriots use their draft picks and, and look at the draft overall is really interesting. You know what's crazy, though, and I love the strategy, and I think teams around the league know, okay, hey, if we need to trade up, I know New England's a game, and they'll talk to us, and we can probably get them to move down, and we can go up and get our guy. But the Patriots, despite all those picks, they haven't drafted extremely well. No. That's the one thing that really stands out with how long they've been able to do this thing. For a long time, they did, and this was really working out. Lately, their draft has, has struggled a little bit. They haven't hit on as many of those picks as why their depth, I think, has fallen off a little bit. Uh, as Tom Brady gets older and a lot less help there for him uh, in New England. Yeah, and I, I, I've, I've mentioned this a lot on my Steelers show here too because the Steelers recently extended Kevin Colbert for a year. So I went back and this is this is Kevin has been a Steelers GM now for 20 years or basically in that role. And during his tenure, the average first round pick that the Steelers have earned is like 24.3. And I only bring that up because the Patriots are well above that. I mean, when your average first-round pick selection is probably around 26, 27, <laughs> where you earn, not where you actually pick. Right. You know, you're, all the premium guys are gone. That's crazy. Yeah, and and one of those years not even getting their first-round pick because it got taken away for New England. Right. But it, it's insane to think because that's phenomenal for Pittsburgh to be averaging, you know, 24-plus with their pick number and the fact that the, the Patriots are that far above them. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the Steelers are second over the last 20 years, but it's a distant second. The New York Jets, uh, last team yeah, in the AFC yeah. East here. Since 2007, the, the Jets have used a first-round pick on two quarterbacks, Sanchez and Darnold, but every other first-round pick they've used since then is on a defensive player, and their defense isn't that great. I was really shocked by Quinn and Williams' That he didn't, I mean, he held, held his head above water. He was okay. Yeah. He wasn't what I expected him to be, and I'm sure he wasn't what the Jets expected him to be in year one. Really young player, so that's not, you know, saying anything about how his career will go. But year two is going to be really big for Quinn and Williams. He did have some injuries as well last year. 
Right. And they traded Leonard during the season and injuries were a factor, but he was pretty nondescript. Let's move to the North Baltimore Ravens. Yes. In the, the past two drafts, the Ravens have made seven selections on the first two days of the draft. Only one of them is a defensive player. That's surprising. For yeah. That team, the way that team is built and traditionally what you think about with the Baltimore Ravens. Right. And it comes back to their front seven needs some work. You know, I mean, you, you, you kind of neglect it in that point of the draft a little bit. Uh, you know, Judon's a, a free agent. Um, they lost Mosley. You know, like they could use some things in that front seven. The secondary is still awfully good, but um, they really went out of their way for Lamar and Andrews and Hurst and, you know, uh, Marquise Brown trying to build an offense because – it's easy to forget that that offense was in really sad shape pre-Lamar. Right, and it's amazing to think back just a handful of years how different that team was offensively. It's a crazy different philosophy, different talent, different players. It's pretty amazing how the shift that they've made, which is impressive because they were good then, and now they're good now again, and it's a completely different look. Right, yeah, absolutely. The Cincinnati Bengals, you got to go back to 2011 here, and it's making me feel old that it's, been that long since they drafted A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. Yeah, and I actually have a typo here. I just corrected it. But in 2011, the Bengals opened their draft by taking A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. Okay. Um, since then, 14 of the Bengals' 17 first two selections have been offensive players, and the other three were all cornerbacks. And their offense isn't that great. <laughs> Again, this is one of those <laughs> right. where a team keeps going back to a spot, and it's not – helping so is it coaching like what, what are we what is there to take from this they're bad at scouting those positions so no matter how many times they go back it's not working is the coaching staff bad at those positions that is uh, a study for uh, I think I would love to read about for another day that would take a lot longer than we have on this podcast probably right I mean you wonder why they're picking first overall now well that has a lot to do with it Jonah Williams I don't blame them for but you know price they drafted in the first round he's been horrible you know I mean so a lot of early picks on offense and it's not a good offense. Yeah, uh, they got an extra first-round pick that's going to have his rookie season next year, too, that you kind of forget right. about there in Jonah Williams. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. Even though they didn't make a selection in the first frame last year, the Browns have made 13 first-round picks over the last eight years and have two picks in the first four overall since 2018. I mean, that's a lot of first-round premium draft talent. And that first-round pick last year went to Odell Beckham. So, yes, they have a talented young roster, but what if Whedon and Richardson and Manziel, you know, like all the guys that they missed on is still astonishing. It is astonishing. There's also the first round. I, I talked with Brad Spielberger of OverTheCap.com on the Locked On 49ers podcast, and, and we talked a little bit about what is good or bad for teams and players about that fifth year first round option. And in a lot of cases, if you don't really hit on that player, the fifth round option or the fifth year option can sting you because First round draft yeah, picks right, get right. expensive. If you draft a whole bunch of really high picks, you got to start paying all those guys. And first rounders just make more money anyway, even if they play the same as a third or fourth round pick does in their second deals, because it just you know it just amplifies that bargaining position for them, and they make so much more money. And the fifth round, the fifth year options are really expensive for teams. It's it's it, you. The draft is a crazy beast because even when you're doing things good, you're still hurting yourself because you got to pay everybody that's good. And first rounders are more expensive than anybody else. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is going a little long. Maybe we should finish up the North and then come back with the South and West and then do the NFC later that next week. Yeah, I like that. And, and we'll save okay. the NFC for another time because this is taking a little bit longer. And uh, I want to spend some time on some of these because these are some interesting ditties. That brings us to the end of the North with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is an easy one. And this is kind of the anti-Bengals conversation. The Steelers' first-round pick has been a defensive player in seven straight draft classes. And their defense is really good. And... Oh, by the way, really, their upcoming first-round pick went to Minka, so basically call it eight years in a row. Right. And they have a really good defense. And they have a great defense. And yeah. I have to imagine a lot more draft picks in the near future are going to go toward the offensive side of the ball. I think skill guys are on the docket for this year for sure. We will move on to the AFC South and West next. Matt Williamson's draft ditties, a quick note on recent history of every team in the NFL doing the AFC today. We'll finish up with the NFC draft ditties at a later date. AFC South, Houston Texans. All right, Houston. In their four most recent drafts, Houston has made 16 picks within the top 130 selections overall. Pretty premium picks. 13 of those 16 picks have been offensive players. And they're getting some benefits of it, but there's some not. definite benefit there on the offensive side of the ball, but not as yeah. much as you would expect for that much draft capital to be spent there. Yeah. 13 picks in the top 130 in the last four years. And it's a good offense. I mean, no doubt Watson's great, but it's not a home run. The Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this one was a little bit of a strain, but I think it goes to this team being a smart organization and knowing where to put their, their resources in their last six drafts, the, the Colts' first pick has been an offensive lineman or a defensive back in five of those six years. And the analytics folks will tell you, when in doubt, draft a corner. When in doubt, draft an offensive lineman. And the Colts are in that camp. And I'm on board with all of that. Uh, defensive lineman, pass rusher, corner, offensive line. If you've got yeah. your quarterback in place, you do all of those things. Uh, do they have their quarterback in place? They're in an interesting spot in the middle of the first round there where I could see the Colts going a number of directions. How do they feel about Jacoby Prissett? There's some veteran quarterbacks on the market. There is some uh, draft picks available, but um, it's telling the way they built their team. And they were not a playoff team this year, but the way you build your team, I think they're doing it right. They're going to be in it every year because of that philosophy. Right, right. They have a foundation because of this way of doing things. A team that... Yeah, a team that doesn't have much of a foundation uh, right now. I don't know where they're going, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So with the only exception being the 2018 draft, when they had, remember they had that good year and they ran, they had a little run in the playoffs. Jacksonville's picked in the top seven overall since 2012. And they're only their most recent three first rounders from that time frame are still with the team. Ugh, That's you know? why. And one of them yeah. is the late pick, Brian. And it goes back to uh, uh, Fowler was another one of those players where you draft a guy number Two of three. Them are on the Rams. Over, yeah, exactly. three of them are on the Rams. You draft a guy number three overall, he's going to be very expensive very soon. So they they're like, well, we we're not going to pay his fifth year number, and we're not going to uh, re up him at some crazy number. And we've got a pretty good defense. And then all of a sudden they start losing players and losing those defenders that made that one season really good for them. Still trying to figure out the quarterback situation. Uh, just. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know what to think about where kind they're at. Spinning right their now. wheels, yeah. Uh, just completely spinning their wheels. But you have to keep the talent that you draft. And it goes back to what we were talking about with the Cleveland Browns. You, it's a curse and a blessing to draft high because you can nail a franchise-changing player 
But if you don't, then it becomes a really expensive, mediocre asset that you yeah, don't want to spend a bunch right. of money on. Tennessee uh, Tennessee's the last team in the South, and I didn't have a great one for them. But this tells a little bit about the organization is with their first selection, the Titans have drafted a defensive player now the last two years. Okay. I mean, that's not, that's not crazy. Before that, though, they had a streak of seven offensive players in a row with their first overall pick. So it feels like, boy, we really got to work on this side of the ball. Well, now we got to really work on this side of the ball. And I mean, it, again, some of these don't jump off the page and are jaw dropping, but I thought that was noteworthy. I really like John Robinson and the job he's done in Tennessee. I think he's one of the better GMs in the league and his drafts. And even when it feels like he doesn't hit, he still gets a really good player in like Corey Davis. And it looks like they're not going to pick up the fifth year option on Corey Davis, by the way, speaking of a guy who's going to make $15 million as a wide receiver in his fifth year option. And they, AJ Brown, they drafted, it looks like he's their future number one. And so no fifth year option for Corey Davis, which makes sense, but he's still a good player. He's eight hundred yard receiver. So even when it feels like the Titans didn't hit massive on picks, they're still getting pretty good players that are helping them out. And I, I really love what Robinson has done. He's been flexible and he hasn't been a guy who's I'm gonna draft this position and I'm gonna draft this position. He's kind of gone this way, he's gone that way, and he's built the playoff team. I like the where the Tennessee Titans are right now. Yeah, and I think Simmons is going to be a star. And and when you look back and say, boy, we had to wait two months of the regular season until we could get him out there. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? This, basically, <laughs> right. the day he showed up, I was like, oh, wow, already. Okay, well, that was well yeah. worth it. Yeah. Why didn't we take him in the top 10? You know? <laughs> exactly. Fantastic pick by uh, Robinson and the Titans. Let's move to the West. Denver Broncos. Last year broke, the, broke Denver's streak of selecting one offensive and one defensive player with their first two picks seven straight years. So seven years in a row, they went offense-defense or defense-offense. You know, just didn't really attack one side of the ball at all. And then this past year, their first two picks were both on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, just a balanced approach through Elway. How would you grade Elway right now? Because he was on a path to being, oh, man, this guy is really doing great things and he's got himself uh, a championship defense. He can't find a quarterback, which seems to be odd for a Hall of Fame quarterback that can't find a quarterback for his own team. Maybe they found that guy finally, but how would you grade Elway's job as a GM so far? Mm, See, I mean, he recruited Peyton Manning. He didn't draft him. You know, I mean, Manning had, he was coming off a neck surgery, but he was not done. He was not the end of the road, Peyton Manning. I mean, he had unbelievable years in Denver for a while, so... Let's not forget that. And Elway deserves some credit for that. And maybe if he wasn't a Hall of Fame player, he wouldn't have had the juice to bring Manning in. But he hasn't picked all that well. I mean, frankly, I think Locke could bail him out. But I think Denver fans and people around the leagues or people that do this for a living are a little higher on Locke than I am. When did Elway take over? Was he there for the Von Miller draft? I know he was, but I don't know when he took over. Okay. And that's great, but you pick in the top five, you should get good players. Yeah, <laughs> you should on those guys, number <laughs> two know. overall. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So if the Chiefs make their pick at 32 as the deserved Super Bowl champions, their average first pick over the three most recent draft classes will be at 44.7 overall. Basically, it means they're picking 45th overall. And they traded picks and all that, but they're the best team in the league. They're the Super Bowl champs. And over three three drafts in a row, you're averaging first guy you bring in is like at 45. Kind of telling. And Mahomes makes a lot of good things happen. A great quarterback masks a lot. And uh, they've done a pretty good job, actually, of 
revamping the defense over one season because that was really the Achilles heel for them last year, came back this year. Their defense played a lot better all season long, and they've got some pretty good young players, too, there in Kansas City mm-hmm. to go with Patrick Mahomes for a very long time. So I don't see Kansas City going anywhere, uh, but they've still got it. I mean, you're, we, we talked about the New England Patriots earlier, and they've got to continue churning that depth because they're going to start getting a very expensive Chris Jones of the world. I don't know how long Frank Clark can hang on at his uh, cap number. Once they do pay ungodly amounts of money for a long-term contract for Patrick Mahomes. So that depth is going to be key. And the Kansas City Chiefs would probably be smart. And I think the 49ers, the other Super Bowl team, are uh, in that same boat. Trading down, collecting picks, collecting depth as teams try to come and poach your coaches and your players. Yeah, and I think Sammy Watkins will get cut. And Mm -hmm. um, So let's go to the Chargers. I think this is a very telling one. And... Obviously, Philip Rivers has been there a very long time, and he's been a fixture like Eli and Ben and Rogers and those guys. We know that. But 13 draft classes, the past 13 draft classes, the Chargers have only selected three quarterbacks in the last 13 draft classes, and the average draft position of those quarterbacks is 185th overall. So basically, the Chargers were like, look, we have our franchise quarterback. Let's see if we can get lucky before he retires and and get a guy that's 155th overall and maybe find the next say Tom Brady you know in the sixth round or something like that uh, hasn't really worked out for those players that were drafted late for the Chargers and now looks like Philip Rivers is going to be moving on and they don't have the air ready to go although I like Tyrod Taylor probably doesn't get enough credit for being you know someone who can be a stopgap yeah Yeah. but they drafted guys like Sorensen was one of the three you know and he was like a sixth round pick I mean it it didn't burn them their quarterback position has been a plus over the last 13 draft classes but to flat out ignore it. I mean, just not even use a fifth round pick on a guy you like or anything like that. I thought was startling. Last one, Vegas, AKA the formerly known as the Raiders. This one's kind of crazy too. Cause think about the state of the Raiders defense right now over their last seven drafts. The Raiders have made nine picks in the first round. Okay. Only three of those were on offensive players. And every second round pick they have made in the last five years were also on defense, and their defense stinks. <laughs> Another one you look. I'm, yeah. As you're reading this, I'm thinking, okay, who was it? Who are the players? Who are the players? Who right. are the players? And the man, nobody you know, like you know Carl Joseph and um, yeah. man, that's pretty bleak. I think yeah, I, it's pretty bleak. I, I got to give Mayock credit though. I, I liked what Mayock has done since he took over. So maybe that will start to look a lot better. But man, when you draft. What was it? Seven of nine first round picks. Yeah, nine picks in the first seven round. Seven of the last nine. Yeah, and every second round pick for the last five years, and that's what you have on the defensive side of the ball. That's rough, man. <laughs> right, right, it's awful. And it's not all Mayock's fault, of course. But oh no, yeah, that goes well back. And, and I don't dislike Mayock. Mayock either, and I loved them on the air. But they had three first round picks last year, and one went a massive reach on an edge player that nobody thought was a good pick. One went on in the box safety. And one went on a running back. And I love Josh Jacobs, but the analytics folks are looking at that going, oh, no. (laughs) Right. And we talked earlier about how, you know, the box safety is being kind of phased out in the NFL or they're becoming hybrid linebackers. Can he be that sort of a role for? uh, And he got hurt, so who knows what he's like. And he's a good player. And so is Josh Jacobs. But again, like you said, he's a running back. And then. Maybe you have reaching, Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. And, right. you know? <laughs> reaching right. for Furl. Although they picked up Max Crosby, so that helps the reach for Furl. And you can tell it's more great. about um, they're bringing in, it, it was almost about the people they're bringing in more so than how valuable 
the players at their positions were going to be, which is one thing I can say I like about what Mayock's doing there. I don't disagree, but he also brought in Vontez Burfick, Richie Incognito, and Antonio Brown. <laughs> that is a great point. That is a great point. Those, I think, were Gruden guys, and I think Mayock might be able to right. sit in his chair in those meetings and say, hey, Gruden, see these guys you brought in that didn't work out? I right. think you should Incognito's just... Uh, a really good player and worked out on the field. Right. But... Well, they had some issues. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, we're out of time here. That is the draft ditties for the AFC. We will drop the NFC draft ditties at some point uh, next week or maybe the week yeah. after. Who knows how this combine coverage will go. And on Monday's show, a little combine primer. Maybe look at some of those prop bets for the combine and these players' workouts coming up next week right here. Locked on NFL.